this is Dr. Reeves welcoming you to week seven of our course EDEM 6629 Children's Literature and Integrated Arts. Last week we looked at multisyllabic word study and hip-hop speaks to children. You all wrote some truly inspired imitation poems using Charles Smith Jr.'s Allow Me to Introduce Myself, and we looked into the future to think about what we need to do to support young people in elementary school so that they may become wordsmiths by the time they get to high school and beyond. That was such thoughtful and insightful work. I also wanted to remind you all to return to week five if you need to and listen closely to the lecture and to carefully review the materials linked under the lecture to get some ideas about the level of detail I'm looking for in the lesson plan assignment that's coming up. This week you all are reading chapter books you've selected from our list and we're thinking about the instructional strategy of using playlists to describe, analyze, and get closer to our character's motivation and development and some of these wonderful and complex stories. And this really fits nicely with parts of the teachers creating readers framework that advocate for one, read aloud to their students for pleasure, and two, know and use strategies to engage students with reading. And particularly, I wanna speak some about explicit listening comprehension strategies. When I taught fifth grade, I read The Lightning Thief out loud to my students. And that first year I did it, and the year after, my students earned all the AR awards for reading the most over the course of the year. I wasn't sure what was going to happen by reading the book, but I did know that there were times in the day, even just a few minutes, that could easily be filled with stories. And I was surprised, even in fifth grade, that the enjoyment of a read aloud had not faded. In fact, during that time, my often boisterous students were the most quiet, the most engaged, the most interested probably than anything else I did. Many of my students were not as familiar with fantasy fiction, and some of them had not gotten into Harry Potter, though the whole series had been out for quite some time. Myths from across time and culture are some of the oldest stories in the world, and the lightning thief made use of this. Myths give us unique insights into some storytelling and how storytelling has been used to make us think about how we treat each other, how to find our hidden gifts, and how to identify symbolism or hidden meaning. Myths also impact culture, language, and give us insights into how people in other times perceived the world and themselves. Some myths are quite violent and have ruthless characters, and The Lightning Thief was really effective at uniting some of those aspects of mythology with the 21st century. That experience, reading aloud to my fifth grade students, connects to the teachers creating readers framework and particularly to the part about teachers needing to read aloud to their students for pleasure and enjoyment. Reading aloud was enjoyable for me and for the students, and though that certainly isn't the only reason read alouds are valuable, it is one worth our consideration. Many of my students, in fact, went out and got the Lightning Thief book from the store or the library and finished it on their own before we finished it as a, as a class, but they still wanted to hear the story being read and to have, I think, that collective experience of entering the text together. I also learned the book pretty well, and so I worked to end my read-alouds on cliffhangers or big moments so that they would be excited and impatient to hear the next part. Did this method hold some classroom management value? It definitely did. I know I said on more than one occasion, hey, let's finish up this engagement so we can get back to our book. The Lightning Thief would be a really great novel 
to adapt for Reader's Theater. Looking back now, I wish I had given my students the opportunity to design, discuss, and perform their scripts around characters, places, conflicts, and experiences in the book. Because the book was so collectively enjoyable, it presented a unique opportunity for students to use that momentum and motivation to dig into the story more. Beyond students using their creative interpretive skills to craft a script and then perform it, Reader's Theater also attends to aspects of listening and reading comprehension. It provides repeat opportunities for students to encounter the same text and practice reading it a few times so it can be performed with prosody and fluency. Most Reader's Theater performances include the student being able to read their part. They don't necessarily have to memorize it, though it's possible that after repeated readings of the text they'll memorize it anyway. And this really speaks to how valuable practicing the scripts are to the successful Reader's Theater performance. Reader's Theater also magnifies aspects of a story in intentional ways, but may leave out or ignore aspects of the book too. When students are reading high interest books for enjoyment, like The Lightning Thief, they have the opportunity to kind of inherently compare their own scripts to what actually happened in the book, and the same way most people compare movies to what actually happened in the book. Intentionally prompting students and modeling how to differentiate their script from the book to account for the accelerated short performance is a reading comprehension strategy that can be adapted and used in any setting where comparative paraphrasing or critique work is needed. Beyond the reader's practicing fluency and prosody, however, the audience members have the opportunity to use their listening comprehension skills as well. In addition to comparing the script to the book, students also will need to follow along with other performers to know when to go on and perform their part. Listening comprehension also allows other performers to know how to deliver their lines. For example, if their collaborators sound excited, worried, scared, or celebratory, the audience and other members of the performance will hear that in their voices and potentially anticipate or infer new details about that performance. When we read aloud for pleasure and make it part of our instructional routines, it can also even the playing field in the classroom. I've mentioned a number of times this session that many young people, even those who are still developing their skills as readers, often have greater listening comprehension skills than reading skills. In the early elementary grades, reading comprehension is often limited by decoding skills, and teaching stories or books are typically written below the level of the student's oral language comprehension. Reading comprehension, simply defined, is the ability to understand read text. Word recognition is the ability to translate printed text into pronounceable words. And listening comprehension is the ability to understand text if it is heard instead of read. And generally, before a good number of young people learn to read or use reading comprehension practices, they have listened intently and have heightened verbal communication and listening, com uh, listening comprehension skills. Hogan and her colleagues believed that as decoding and word recognition skills become automatized and as the text children are exposed to become more linguistically complex, the influence of listening comprehension on reading comprehension should increase. And some research has indicated that listening comprehension skills become 
become more relied on for academic success as students move into more complex content and have access to and need access to information from longer segments of lecture, for example. Hogan's same research identified three subgroups of readers, and for those of you already in the classroom, you may know these types of readers well. In the first group of readers, young people fit the classic dyslexic profile and showed poor decoding skills, but good listening comprehension skills. Reading comprehension in this group was negatively impacted, though, by poor decoding skills. In the second group, readers had good word reading abilities, but still struggled with reading comprehension and also struggled with listening comprehension. In the third group, readers displayed difficulties with decoding and comprehension and may have language learning disabilities. And in the final group, um, though they were not referred to in the research, but we'll include them anyway, we um, have young people who come into the classroom and who are learning English as an additional language. These young people likely have a strong listening comprehension in their home language, but may also be in the stage of language acquisition, like the pre-production phase or the early production phase in English, where they are observing, typically answer questions with yes-no responses, um, may not talk very much at all, and may use a lot of gesturing and pointing to communicate with others. So how does listening comprehension interface with the types of learners described above? Hogan and her colleagues again explain that in, most, in the most basic sense, listening comprehension is our ability to understand text read out loud. Kim defined listening comprehension as one's ability to comprehend spoken language at the discourse level, including conversation, stories, i.e. narratives, and informational oral text. That involves the processes of extracting and constructing meaning. This includes deciphering individual words and sentences, connecting prior knowledge, and knowing the basic organizational structure of the story being read. Listening comprehension also makes use of working memory, syntactic knowledge or grammar knowledge, inferencing and predicting, and comprehension monitoring. A side note here is that Kim's work identified the skills and practices needed for listening comprehension to be the same across all languages. Listening comprehension also attends to social and instructional aspects of a learner's day. They are also working to understand the teacher's instructions and their peers' social talk. While these are demanding processes and draw on the same abilities used to comprehend text, listening comprehension eliminates the need for students to decode. Students who fall into groups one and four above, which were the students who present with signs of dyslexia and students who are learning English as an additional language, um, likely will have many of the cognitive skills needed to engage in the complexities of listening comprehension. Like young people who are blind, for example, often have heightened abilities with their other senses like smell, touch, and hearing. Some children who have dyslexia heavily rely on getting information through listening comprehension more than reading comprehension, or at least until they have the skills for decoding that lead to reading comprehension. For young people learning English, oral language immersion offers the chance to observe, listen to fluent speakers, and to hear the syntax or the grammar being used in a particular context. 
Students who fall into groups two and three above, one with young people experiencing difficulties in both reading and listening comprehension, and the other with young people who may have diagnosed or undiagnosed learning difficulties, may benefit from explicit instruction and listening comprehension. Unfortunately, there is not significant research on what practices to use to increase listening comprehension. However, one practice that shows strong evidence is increasing the use of explicit reading comprehension strategies, including activating prior knowledge, questioning, monitoring comprehension, visualization, drawing inferencing, and retelling, many of which are used in reader's theater. Moderate evidence supports the effectiveness of teaching organizational text structures and providing motivational content for teaching reading comprehension. And that includes reading for pleasure. So think back to the earlier part of the micro lecture on choosing books to read aloud to students for enjoyment. Generally, when someone says they are using explicit instruction, it means that they are modeling for students how to do, complete, and use a strategy. And that's where educators come in as the instructional leaders in the classroom. Explicit instruction is in listening comprehension includes development of awareness, teacher and peer modeling, practice, and evaluation of the extent to which the student can use the strategy that was just modeled. And we not only want students to use the strategy in a controlled setting, like the one created by the teacher for explicit teaching, but we want to see the student transfer the skill or use it in new contexts as well. Explicit instruction builds students' metacognitive knowledge, and this is a complex process because metacognition isn't necessarily visible, so we have to look for markers in students' behavior to know if they're doing this. Metacognitive knowledge refers to what individuals know about themselves as cognitive processors, about different approaches. These are the strategies that we might use, and that can be used for learning and problem solving and about the demands of a particular learning task. But there's more. Metacognitive regulation refers to the adjustments individuals make to their processes to help control their learning, such as planning, information management strategies, comprehension monitoring, debugging strategies, and evaluation of processes and goals. So in other words, metacognitive knowledge is an awareness of what we're doing when we're trying to learn something. And metacognitive regulation allows us to troubleshoot if what we're doing isn't working or to recognize that we are moving closer to our learning goals. One way you'll know if explicit instruction is happening in the classroom is if you or another teacher are using the gradual release model or the I do, we do, you do model of instruction or the model practice reflect cycle. Through these models of instruction, students are taught when, how, and why strategies can be used. The teacher defines the target strategy, demonstrates its use through modeling, asks students to give examples of their own learning experience, guides the group or class discussion on the rationale behind the use and effectiveness of the strategy and encourages students to use different strategies or to adapt the strategy for their own needs. Typically, the strategies don't have to be specific to ELA, but can be used in multiple contexts. And explicit decoding strategies are different from explicit comprehension or listening comprehension strategies. Though the same style of teacher guidance and modeling, i.e. teacher as instructional leader, 
can be used in all three types of instruction. All right, so we've explored some topics related to the value of read alouds for enjoyment. And I hope while you're reading basically any of our books this session, but especially your chapter books, that you'll analyze them as tools to teach ELA content, but also as tools to help young people fall in love with reading. Is the story compelling, interesting, exciting? Can or will your students relate to the characters and in what ways? Do you see space in your daily routine to build in some time for reading for pleasure? And then we've also talked about listening comprehension, which is one of those essential skills that often gets overlooked, but that is truly necessary for young people to develop the full range of abilities needed to be academically successful. This week, we're gonna develop a mini playlist for our novel's protagonist or antagonist, if you choose. Um, and then we'll also be spending some time looking at some ways to develop end of unit reflection practices to follow up on a hypothetical reader's theater um, for, your, for the novel that you've chosen. And hopefully this will be explained better in the assignment. Thanks everyone, and I hope that you all have a wonderful week ahead and I look forward to seeing you in Canvas. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Reeves welcoming you to week seven of our course EDEM 6629 Children's Literature and Integrated Arts. Last week we looked at multisyllabic word study and hip hop speaks to children. You all wrote some truly inspired imitation poems using Charles Smith Jr.'s Allow Me to Introduce Myself, and we looked into the future to think about what we need to do to support young people in elementary school so that they may become wordsmiths by the time they get to high school and beyond. That was such thoughtful and insightful work. I also wanted to remind you all to return to week five if you need to and listen closely to the lecture and to carefully review the materials linked under the lecture to get some ideas about the level of detail I'm looking for in the lesson plan assignment that's coming up. This week you all are reading chapter books you've selected from our list and we're thinking about the instructional strategy of using playlists to describe, analyze, and get closer to our character's motivation and development and some of these wonderful and complex stories. 
And this really fits nicely with parts of the Teachers Creating Readers framework that advocate for one, read aloud to their students for pleasure, and two, know and use strategies to engage students with reading. And particularly, I wanna speak some about explicit listening comprehension strategies. When I taught fifth grade, I read The Lightning Thief out loud to my students. And that first year I did it, and the year after, my students earned all the AR awards for reading the most over the course of the year. I wasn't sure what was going to happen by reading the book, but I did know that there were times in the day, even just a few minutes, that could easily be filled with stories. And I was surprised, even in fifth grade, that the enjoyment of a read aloud had not faded. In fact, during that time, my often boisterous students were the most quiet, the most engaged, the most interested probably than anything else I did. Many of my students were not as familiar with fantasy fiction, and some of them had not gotten into Harry Potter, though the whole series had been out for quite some time. Myths from across time and culture are some of the oldest stories in the world, and the lightning thief made use of this. Myths give us unique insights into some storytelling and how storytelling has been used to make us think about how we treat each other, how to find our hidden gifts, and how to identify symbolism or hidden meaning. Myths also impact culture, language, and give us insights into how people in other times perceived the world and themselves. Some myths are quite violent and have ruthless characters, and The Lightning Thief was really effective at uniting some of those aspects of mythology with the 21st century. That experience, reading aloud to my fifth grade students, connects to the Teachers Creating Readers framework, and particularly to the part about teachers needing to read aloud to their students for pleasure and enjoyment. Reading aloud was enjoyable for me and for the students, and though that certainly isn't the only reason read alouds are valuable, it is one worth our consideration. Many of my students, in fact, went out and got the Lightning Thief book from the store or the library and finished it on their own before we finished it as a, as a class, but they still wanted to hear the story being read and to have, I think, that collective experience of entering the text together. I also learned the book pretty well, and so I worked to end my read-alouds on cliffhangers or big moments so that they would be excited and impatient to hear the next part. Did this method hold some classroom management value? It definitely did. I know I said on more than one occasion, hey, let's finish up this engagement so we can get back to our book. The Lightning Thief would be a really great novel to adapt for readers theater. Looking back now, I wish I had given my students the opportunity to design, discuss, and perform their scripts around characters, places, conflicts, and experiences in the book. Because the book was so collectively enjoyable, it presented a unique opportunity for students to use that momentum and motivation to dig into the story more. Beyond students using their creative interpretive skills to craft a script and then perform it, Reader's Theater also attends to aspects of listening and reading comprehension. It provides repeat opportunities for students to encounter the same text and practice reading it a few times so it can be performed with prosody and fluency. Most reader's theater performances include the student being able to read their part. They don't necessarily have to memorize it, though it's possible that after repeated readings of the text they'll memorize it anyway. And this really speaks to how valuable practicing the scripts are to the successful reader th reader's theater performance. 
Reader's theater also magnifies aspects of a story in intentional ways that may leave out or ignore aspects of the book too. When students are reading high interest books for enjoyment, like The Lightning Thief, they have the opportunity to kind of inherently compare their own scripts to what actually happened in the book. In the same way, most people compare movies to what actually happened in the book. Intentionally prompting students and modeling how to differentiate their script from the book to account for the accelerated short performance is a reading comprehension strategy that can be adapted and used in any setting where comparative paraphrasing or critique work is needed. Beyond the reader's practicing fluency and prosody, however, the audience members have the opportunity to use their listening comprehension skills as well. In addition to comparing the script to the book, students also will need to follow along with other performers to know when to go on and perform their part. Listening comprehension also allows other performers to know how to deliver their lines. For example, if their collaborators sound excited, worried, scared, or celebratory, the audience and other members of the performance will hear that in their voices and potentially anticipate or infer new details about that performance. When we read aloud for pleasure and make it part of our instructional routines, it can also even the playing field in the classroom. I've mentioned a number of times this session that many young people, even those who are still developing their skills as readers, often have greater listening comprehension skills than reading skills. In the early elementary grades, reading comprehension is often limited by decoding skills and teaching stories or books are typically written below the level of the student's oral language comprehension. Reading comprehension, simply defined, is the ability to understand read text. Word recognition is the ability to translate printed text into pronounceable words. And listening comprehension is the ability to understand text if it is heard instead of read. And generally, before a good number of young people learn to read or use reading comprehension practices, they have listened intently and have heightened verbal communication and listening, com uh, listening comprehension skills. Hogan and her colleagues believed that as decoding and word recognition skills become automatized and as the text children are exposed to become more linguistically complex, the influence of listening comprehension on reading comprehension should increase. And some research has indicated that listening comprehension skills become become more relied on for academic success as students move into more complex content and have access to and need access to information from longer segments of lecture, for example. Hogan's same research identified three subgroups of readers, and for those of you already in the classroom, you may know these types of readers well. In the first group of readers, young people fit the classic dyslexic profile and showed poor decoding skills but good listening comprehension skills. Reading comprehension in this group was negatively impacted, though, by poor decoding skills. In the second group, readers had good word reading abilities but still struggled with reading comprehension and also struggled with listening comprehension. In the third group, readers displayed difficulties with decoding and comprehension and may have language learning disabilities. 
And in the final group, um, though they were not referred to in the research, but we'll include them anyway, we um, have young people who come into the classroom and who are learning English as an additional language. These young people likely have a strong listening comprehension in their home language, but may also be in the stage of language acquisition, like the pre-production phase or the early production phase in English, where they are observing, typically answer questions with yes-no responses, um, may not talk very much at all, and may use a lot of gesturing and pointing to communicate with others. So how does listening comprehension interface with the types of learners described above? Hogan and her colleagues again explain that in, most, in the most basic sense, listening comprehension is our ability to understand text read out loud. Kim defined listening comprehension as one's ability to comprehend spoken language at the discourse level, including conversation, stories, i.e. narratives, and informational oral text. That involves the processes of extracting and constructing meaning. This includes deciphering individual words and sentences, connecting prior knowledge, and knowing the basic organizational structure of the story being read. Listening comprehension also makes use of working memory, syntactic knowledge or grammar knowledge, inferencing and predicting, and comprehension monitoring. A side note here is that Kim's work identified the skills and practices needed for listening comprehension to be the same across all languages. Listening comprehension also attends to social and instructional aspects of a learner's day. They are also working to understand the teacher's instructions and their peers' social talk. While these are demanding processes and draw on the same abilities used to comprehend text, listening comprehension eliminates the need for students to decode. Students who fall into groups one and four above, which were the students who present with signs of dyslexia and students who are learning English as an additional language, um, likely will have many of the cognitive skills needed to engage in the complexities of listening comprehension. Like young people who are blind, for example, often have heightened abilities with their other senses like smell, touch, and hearing. Some children who have dyslexia heavily rely on getting information through listening comprehension more than reading comprehension, or at least until they have the skills for decoding that lead to reading comprehension. For young people learning English, oral language immersion offers the chance to observe, listen to fluent speakers, and to hear the syntax or the grammar being used in a particular context. Students who fall into groups two and three above, one with young people experiencing difficulties in both reading and listening comprehension, and the other with young people who may have diagnosed or undiagnosed learning difficulties, may benefit from explicit instruction and listening comprehension. Unfortunately, there is not significant research on what practices to use to increase listening comprehension. However, one practice that shows strong evidence is increasing the use of explicit reading comprehension strategies, including activating prior knowledge, questioning, monitoring comprehension, visualization, drawing inferencing, and retelling, many of which are used in reader's theater. Moderate evidence supports the effectiveness of teaching organizational text structures and providing motivational content for teaching reading comprehension. 
and that includes reading for pleasure. So think back to the earlier part of the micro lecture on choosing books to read aloud to students for enjoyment. Generally, when someone says they are using explicit instruction, it means that they are modeling for students how to do, complete, and use a strategy. And that's where educators come in as the instructional leaders in the classroom. Explicit instruction is in listening comprehension includes development of awareness, teacher and peer modeling, practice, and evaluation of the extent to which the student can use the strategy that was just modeled. And we not only want students to use the strategy in a controlled setting, like the one created by the teacher for explicit teaching, but we want to see the student transfer the skill or use it in new contexts as well. Explicit instruction builds students' metacognitive knowledge, and this is a complex process because metacognition isn't necessarily visible, so we have to look for markers in students' behavior to know if they're doing this. Metacognitive knowledge refers to what individuals know about themselves as cognitive processors, about different approaches. These are the strategies that we might use, and that can be used for learning and problem solving, and about the demands of a particular learning task. But there's more. Metacognitive regulation refers to the adjustments individuals make to their processes to help control their learning, such as planning, information management strategies, comprehension monitoring, debugging strategies, and evaluation of processes and goals. So in other words, metacognitive knowledge is an awareness of what we're doing when we're trying to learn something. And metacognitive regulation allows us to troubleshoot if what we're doing isn't working or to recognize that we are moving closer to our learning goals. One way you'll know if explicit instruction is happening in the classroom is if you or another teacher are using the gradual release model or the I do, we do, you do model of instruction or the model practice reflect cycle. Through these models of instruction, students are taught when, how, and why strategies can be used. The teacher defines the target strategy, demonstrates its use through modeling, asks students to give examples of their own learning experience, guides the group or class discussion on the rationale behind the use and effectiveness of the strategy, and encourages students to use different strategies or to adapt the strategy for their own needs. Typically, the strategies don't have to be specific to ELA, but can be used in multiple contexts. And explicit decoding strategies are different from explicit comprehension or listening comprehension strategies. Though the same style of teacher guidance and modeling, i.e. teacher as instructional leader, can be used in all three types of instruction. All right, so we've explored some topics related to the value of read-alouds for enjoyment. And I hope while you're reading basically any of our books this session, but especially your chapter books, that you'll analyze them as tools to teach ELA content, but also as tools to help young people fall in love with reading. Is the story compelling, interesting, exciting? Can or will your students relate to the characters and in what ways? Do you see space in your daily routine to build in some time for reading for pleasure? And then we've also talked about listening comprehension, which is one of those essential skills that often gets overlooked, but that is truly necessary for young people to develop the full range of abilities needed to be academically successful. 
This week we're going to develop a mini playlist for our novel's protagonist or antagonist if you choose. Um, and then we'll also be spending some time looking at some ways to develop end of unit reflection practices to follow up on a hypothetical reader's theater um, for, your, for the novel that you've chosen. And hopefully this will be explained better in the assignment. Thanks everyone and I hope that you all have a wonderful week ahead and I look forward to seeing you in Canvas.